And turn in your Bibles to Psalm 91. And uh, the title of our message today is The Ordinary Heroes Part 2, the sequel. <laughs> so, um, a few weeks ago, I uh, spoke about ordinary heroes. And we found out that ordinary heroes is really a, a, an oxymoron. They, it just doesn't go together that we often have this picture that a hero is someone who's extraordinary. But the challenge for us is that ordinary heroes are people such as ourselves that are about our tasks, doing our task and are living our life in a, in a way that have, is having influence and is a way of touching other people's lives. So it becomes an extraordinary, um, ordinary that we do. Being here today, talking with someone, being yourself, talked about in Sunday school, about how that our personalities, that being a steward of our personality, being a steward of who we are as a person, is that we are responsible to God to look at who we are and develop this person. And whether it's, in our, we, we often think of stewardship as just that which deals with tithing. But it's that which deals with the total person, personality, time, talents, abilities, relationships, who we are as, a, as an individual, that we are recognizing the value of who that is. Well, our psalm today that we are looking at here is the um, ultimate shield. Now, being Decoration Day and looking somewhat at our military and people who have served in the armed forces, that Psalm 91 here speaks about a shield that we are in our relationship with God and what God has offered to us in this, in this shield. So be thankful and faithful for every day is what this psalm is, is uh, speaking to us of. So Psalm 92, beginning at verse 1, I want to read uh, the entire psalm. It is, it is good to praise the Lord. And make music to your name, O Most High, to proclaim your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night. To the music of ten-stringed lyre and the melody of the harp, for you, that's Psalm 92, excuse me, I want to do Psalm 91. And you were looking at me and saying, wow, that is a different version. Um, excuse me, I will start over again. Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter, and now this sounds more familiar to me. I'm reading that and I'm thinking, this is not what I studied. <laughs> Did you ever do that? Ah, sorry, all right. Uh, Psalm 91, it's God's protection in the midst of danger. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Yes. I will save the Lord. He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wing you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow of the flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you make the Most High your dwelling, even the Lord who is my refuge, 
Then no harm will befall you. No disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra. You will trample with the the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves you, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Ordinary heroes. (laughs) Ordinary is that which is to be expected in the normal order of things, events, a very common quality. So when we think of ordinary, it is something that is normal, normal order of things. Hero, a man or a woman admired for their achievements, noble qualities, one that shows great courage. So whenever we are looking at this, we are saying normal order of things of achievements, normal order of things of noble quality. It seems like they, you know, again, it doesn't, it doesn't fit. A normal quality of noble quality. A normal event of no, noble quality. A, no, a normal order of achievements. We would think that achievements and noble qualities are not ordinary. But you see, with the Christian and with what we've just discussed, discussed here is that God is one who watches over us God is one who takes care of us. God is one who provides for us. And as we dwell in the shelter of the Most High, we will rest under the shadow of the Almighty that we are in the presence of God. And that is an extraordinary quality. It is an an extraordinary place that God has for His people. So how can we think that we are ordinary just ordinary people whenever we have the presence of God and the shelter of God there for us. That we have the promises of God that touch our lives. We are, we are looking at this as, as admirable achievements, noble qualities of being close to the creator of this universe. We have all of this in place, so ordinary is that it's a normal order of things for us to be close to God. Hmm. Today, this weekend, is, it used to be called Decoration Day. What's it called now? Memorial Day. Uh, It's a time to remember, remember our veterans, and remember uh, the former and present members of the armed forces. One definition reads, a person who has laid aside personal freedoms and served in the armed forces in order to ensure the liberty and innumerable rights that all Americans enjoy. That freedom is something that costs many people great things. On page, um, honoring our veterans, I was looking at... um, this reading, and this one stuck out to me. It says, on February 12, 1973, 
Americans watched and waited as news coverage told of the first plane landing at Clark Air Force Base in the Philippines, bringing our POWs home from North Vietnam. Captain Jeremiah Denton, the highest-ranking soldier on the first flight from captivity, was informed that he might be expected to speak for the POWs with him. When he stepped off the plane, Denton walked slowly down the ramp. Seeing the American flag, he saluted and said these memorable words. We are honored to have had the opportunity to serve our country under difficult circumstances. We are profoundly grateful to our Commander-in-Chief and to our nation for this day. God bless America. Jeremiah Denton spoke on behalf of his fellow POWs. Not only uh, that day, but also during his imprisonment. During a television interview on May 17, 1966, he repeatedly blinked his eyes as though the lights for the camera were too bright for him. But, he was discovered, but it was discovered that Jeremiah Denton had actually been blinking the message, torture, in Morse code. For seven years and seven months, Denton suffered, for, suffered severe mistreatment as a prisoner of war. Four years of his captivity were spent in solitary confinement. At the time he was shot down in 1965, Jeremiah Denton was a commander. While a prisoner of war, he was promoted to the rank of captain. In April 1974, shortly after his release, he was promoted to rear admiral. Then in 1980, he was elected to the U.S. Senate. We don't have to turn to our history books to find heroes. They are all around us. And this past uh, week, was it this week or last week? A week ago, Rhonda was, uh, ta- had taken her fourth grade class to um, Washington, D.C. And there on the wall in uh, Washington, D.C. for the Vietnam veterans is a MIA whose name is James Crew. And James Crew is a member of this church. And this pulpit presented by James and Patricia Crew to this church. You know, I've been taking fourth graders to Washington, D.C. for, well, okay, I'm thinking it will be... 42 years? No, it will be 20 <laughs> years next year, actually, or yeah. the following year, I think, but the following year. But anyway... We've always gone to the wall, the Vietnam Veterans Memorial, and one of the things we usually try to do there, there's a story called The Wall, written by Eve Bunting, that talks about a young, a a man taking his grandson to the wall, and basically in the story, it's a very brief picture book, what they're doing is going to look at the wall, and he says, we're going to, to see your grandfather, and on the wall, as the story goes on, is, is the name of the grandfather. And, and, you know, they do a rubbing. And so that's something we've always done. Our fourth graders have always done that. And because James, Major James Allen Crew was from Wimber, Pennsylvania, we've always done James Allen Crew. Well, it came to my attention last year from a third grade teacher, Mr. Belloc, that next year, Joey Miller was going to be in fourth grade. And I said... Who's Joey Miller? <laughs> so, I mean, I didn't know who Joey Miller was. I hadn't met him. But I had the privilege of having Joey in my class this year, and Joey's grandpa is James Allen Crew. 
And so all year, and I wasn't sure what we were going to do or how we were going to do it, but we wanted to do something special for Joey and his family this year when we went to Vietnam or to, to Washington, D.C. So I started talking to his mom, um, Diana, and Diana said, you know, really my mom, Patricia Crew, would be the person that could do this and do this really well. So the, on the Wednesday before we went to Washington, D.C., we had the privilege, and I truly say it was an absolute privilege, to listen to Patricia Crew talk about her life um, prior to um, Vietnam when her high school sweetheart, who she dated two years in high school, she shared the information about how he went on to be um, wanted to always go to a military academy, but it just didn't happen. So he went to Johnstown. That's where the University of Pittsburgh at Johnstown was. It was downtown. He went down there for two years. And one night, he got a phone call, and it was from Senator Wally. And Senator Wally said, James, are you still interested in going to the military academy? He said, I'm too old. James, are you still interested in going to the military? And, you know, he kept repeating that. And finally he said, I have that opportunity to place you at the Air Force Academy if you let me know by Sunday night. So she talked about how, and she talked about this at school. In the morning she talked to two groups of fourth graders. In the afternoon she talked to two more. But you could see as she had reflected and ate lunch with the kids and talked, she started to really feel. And in the afternoon she shared about how they had prayed and they had asked, you know, what should he do? But ultimately what did happen is he went to the Air Force Academy and he was a pilot. And, you know, they didn't get married for eight years. They had dated and didn't get married. And then when they did get married, it was, it was their desire to have a child. And they were so excited to have a daughter because that's what, you know, he had certain goals. And he, one of his goals was he wanted a daughter and he wanted her first. Okay, and then as time went on, you know, they found out he was going to have to go to Vietnam. Um, Diana, his daughter, was 11 months old when he went to Vietnam, and she was 17 months old when he was shot down. He was shot down in 1967, so it was 43 years since he had, had been shot down um, when we were right there when this was all going on, and it actually was on November 10th. And you know, she said Memorial Day is always just so preeminent because we always are thinking about him being shot down on November 10th. But November 11th, of course, is Veterans Day. So as we go on through and do all the, uh, the talking, she talked and did an amazing job. And you realize that here's a family that had an MIA. What is an MIA? They're missing in action. And, and it was assumed that he would be found. But in reality, there were two planes went down only the remains of one of the four pilots that were in those two planes was ever returned. And that wasn't until way into the later, like 1989. They brought back, and it was um, Honeycutt was the name of the, of the gentleman. And those four names are right together on the wall. And I mean, like, we just felt like we were part of history. Listening to their stories, they had pictures, they had a, an actual um, replica of the plane that he flew. And they had so many important informational things, but it just puts so much life to what we've been doing for so many years. And it's be it really has obviously made an impression on me because I just feel that 
you know, it was something that she still, she felt he met his goals. He always wanted to be a pilot, and he was a pilot. He always wanted to go to an academy, a military academy, and he went to a military academy. He always wanted to marry her, and he wanted to have a daughter. All those goals, when he was 26 years old, they were already all met, you know? And she said, I, I always had the hope, and I still do today. She actually lives in the home where his parents lived, down, I think, on 10th Street. Um, and she had, like, she feels that if he would come back, he would know where to come. And so when his parents moved to another area with some other family members, she got that house, and she's living in that house yet today because she felt that if he ever needed to come home, he would know where to come. But she also, as the trip went on, and we had the great experience, we were going to lay a reef, you know, because that's the thing everybody does in D.C. But one of our, our guidance counselors had been there, and she had seen some students laying a flower. So we decided we wouldn't, they laid roses. We got carnations. It was a little cheaper. But we got red carnations and had blue and white ribbons on it. And after Mrs. Crew and, and Mrs. Miller had spoken to the kids about their experience as the family of an MIA, they we, we had them, the children write a message. One side was a thank you that was printed. The other side, they could write their personal message to any veteran or to any military person. And as they took, we had 100 students go, and as they took those 100 flowers, they could put them anywhere they wanted along the Vietnam Veterans Wall. And many of them had them stacked right there in one spot. But it was just such a moving experience. And as we stood there at the wall, Patricia Crew talked about her husband and shared with anybody that was there and anybody that was listening. And she was so thankful. And as I walked with her, she's probably 70, I think, she told me. I, I'm not sure, but I think she's going to be 70 or she is 70. And as we walked, it was a hot day, and she wore a navy blue. She had it, you know, was very patriotically dressed. And as we were walking over to see, she wanted to see the Korean memorial. And one of the things she looked at was the fact that on, she has gone many, many times to the Vietnam veterans and seen the name on the wall. But as she walked to the Korean, I don't know if you've ever been there, but there's faces on the wall. And there's also faces on the military soldiers, which are in line. And she just was so, she spoke to me in a quiet voice. She said, this is the first I've ever seen this one. And she said, you know, it's one thing to see a name, but it's another thing to see a face. And she said, I don't know if I'd want to see Jimmy's face, Jimbo's face. She called him Jimbo. Because she said, I just want to see him as he's in, you know, at when, he's, when I see him with our Lord, you know. So I just praise the Lord for that opportunity. And, and she feels that he's safe in the arms of his father. I, I saw this that was laying here, and I don't even know why. We haven't sung that for a while. But I think she feels he's safe with God, wherever he is. And, you know, if he were to come home, that would be a miracle probably. But in reality, he's safe in the arms of our father. So, something that will change us forever. <laughs> Everything we have is built upon the shoulders of those who have gone before us. And it is important for us to know that we have a heritage. We have a heritage. 
It is a heritage of which people have been able to build upon for, for us in the last couple hundred years. You know, it's something uh, whenever I traveled to Israel and to when you, when you, when you um, look at the history there, it's 2,000, 3,000, almost 4,000 years of history. But I guess as we think about our own lives and think about where we have come from, it's important for us to know that God has been with us. And as we think of our military and think about those who have gone before us, it is so difficult to try and summarize them. And so I thought of Abraham Lincoln's Gettysburg Address. And if you've ever been to Gettysburg, um, in three days, over 54,000 men died. And it is, it is a sacred place, just as any battlefield is, in the sense that people have been willing to give their lives so that others might be free. And sometimes we don't recognize or value the great gifts that we have. Sometimes we take them for granted. We treat them as ordinary. But you know, our lives are extraordinary. We are ordinary heroes because each of us have gifts and each of us have abilities and each of us have sacrifices in our past. You know, what, what bothers, sometimes bothers me is the sense that, you know, in our hospice program, we had an individual who died recently, and his wife said, yes, he survived seven invasions in World War II. Seven invasions. You know, and he's, he's a hero that you wouldn't even notice or go out of your way to seemingly pay attention to. He's just a man with an illness until you learn the history. And in our lives, God has a way of bringing our life to purpose. And whether people know our past or know the extraordinary deeds that we may have done, it's not important. God keeps track of every gift that we have given, every good thing that we have done, and that he will be there to reward us for our faithfulness to him. And what we have done for him will last in eternity. Abraham Lincoln says, we cannot dedicate, we cannot consecrate, we cannot hollow this ground, hallow this ground. The brave men, living and dead, who struggled here have consecrated it far above our poor power to add or detract. The world will little note nor long remember what we say here, but it can never forget what they did here. They gave the last full measure of devotion that we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain, that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom, and that government of the people, by the people, 
for the people shall not perish from the earth. It is these types of experiences that bring to our memory and bring to our life not only what happens in our history, but as we've read in the psalm, in Psalm 91, we have a spiritual history, a spiritual heritage that is far richer and far greater than what we have in our physical history. Psalm 91, verse 1, to whom the promise is made, the ordinary promise for ordinary heroes is one that we bring ourselves into, bring ourselves to in our life. He that dwelleth and he that abides. What happens? It is for those who want this. It's called the ultimate shield. The ultimate shield that is there for we as believers is for he who dwells or abides. And verse 2 The ultimate shield is our confession. I will say that God is my refuge. God is my fortress. The ultimate promise of protection. Uh, The ultimate promise of deliverance. Verse 3, he shall deliver me. The ultimate promise of protection. He shall cover you. His truth, his faithfulness shall be your shield. We find that his protection will be around us. The ultimate shield, verses 5 and 6, is a promise of courage. You will not be afraid. Neither the terrors, terrors, the night terrors, nor the arrows, nor the pestilence, nor the destruction. The ultimate shield is our faith in God. And it surrounds us. Verses 7 and 8 is the promise of safety. The ultimate shield, a thousand shall fall at your side. Our faith is secure. That no matter what happens around us, we are safe. And just as James Crew went to Vietnam, knowing that he was safe. He went there knowing that he was safe in God, in the arms of his father. And he is still safe. Whether he died in the plane crash or died as a POA, POW, we don't know. We don't know, but we we know that he didn't come home. But we know that he was safe when he left, and he is safe now. Verses 9 and 10 is a promise of security. The Lord is our refuge and strength. Verse 11, 12, the ultimate shield, the promise of our help. He will give his angels charge over you. The ultimate shield, the promise of victory. Tread upon the lion and the, and the adder, the snake. The beast of the, the lion, the, the, the fiercest of animals. And the snake, the stalker, the silent stalker. We will tread upon them. The ultimate shield is the promise of honor. Verses 14 and 50. 15. He has set his love upon me. You will call and he will answer. God will be with you in trouble, deliver you, and honor you. The ultimate shield is that which God has given to us and that he will keep us no matter where we find ourselves. In verse 16, 
The ultimate shield is the promise of life. With long life, God will give you and show you his salvation. With, with that knowledge that salvation that we have with God is for eternity. And the, the relationship we have with God is what we begin to build on today. A change that takes place inside of us that will last forever. And I close with Philippians chapter 1 verse 20. It says, My deep desire and hope is that I shall never fail in my duty, but that at all times, and especially right now, I shall be full of courage, so that with my whole being I shall bring honor to Christ, whether I live or whether I die. That was Paul's letter to the church at Philippi. This is the courage that is within our hearts. A courage that speaks of life. A courage that speaks of love. A courage that says, I can give out of the abundance of what I have, knowing that God will provide for me and give me the strength of his life and the strength of his word. It will come to me by his spirit and it will lift me up. It will encourage me. And God who will take the ordinary and make it an ordinary hero. You and I living our life for Christ in very what seems to be ordinary places, doing what seems to be ordinary tasks will have a difference now and for eternity. God will not forget the good deeds that we have done. And how many times do we sit here, me, 30 years, in this pulpit? Not that often do I look and read this little plaque that says, presented by James and Patricia Crew. Only once in a while it is drawn to my attention. But every week, ever since it was been dedicated, it's here having an impact on all who look and not really knowing who gave it. So it is with our lives. Ordinary, but yet extraordinary when we come to know what happens and what's behind it. Your life is an extraordinary gift from God to those around you. You ordinary heroes.